0: Yes, we can talk about the here and now for regulation in the UK hmm. or upcoming in Brazil, but it's what's next.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Sigma podcast. Today, with our guest, Peter Murray, the Director of Strategy for MyTech. Peter, good morning, and th- thank you for accepting our invite. Good morning, Trevor.
0: Delighted to join. Um, I'm
1: looking forward to it. should be fun. It should be fun. I mean, you're someone, uh, well, in Italian, they say parola facile. Yeah, to you, speaking comes natural and it comes quite easy. And you're one of those who, at every conference I attend, and you're usually there, um, you're always someone who either is on a panel or else is asking the questions. So I think today should be pretty interesting. Um, and on that, in fact, on that note... If I may ask, because some people say, listen, we're always going to the same conferences, to the same shows, same expos. At the end of the day, we're always getting the same information. So why should I go to one expo and not to the other?
0: Yeah, look, really
1: interesting. Cause I think,
0: I think for all honesty with ourselves, there's way too many events, right? And as I, I would criticize it for the same people talking about the same things, and yet I am one of those people. And don't get me wrong, I love what I do. I've I've been in this industry for 14, 15 years. Um, The identity (laughs) is very much focused on the gambling side. But it can be very vanilla. It can be the same. So the bit I do, the sort of strategy bit within my role, is looking to the future. So the bits I like to talk about around identity or what's coming next. Yes, we can talk about the here and now for regulation in the UK Mm -hmm. or upcoming in Brazil. But it's what's next. But I guess when when it comes to events themselves and expos, it's just those trying to put a slightly different angle on it, whether it be in, in Malta or ICE or in the US. Who's looking at what's coming next? Who's
1: Don't forget Sigma, please. <laughs> Don't yeah, forget well, you Sigma. Can't forget
0: Sigma. You can't forget Sigma because Sigma is, you know, if you look at the key two or three in this in the in the sector. ICE out of London, although that's moving, Sigma, and then GTE are the really big ones. So absolutely, Sigma is a key part of that.
1: So you just mentioned strategy. Um, And actually, I want to usually ask this question at the end right now. But given that you've just mentioned strategy and what's next, what are you seeing as what's next in A, the short term, but B, the medium long term as well?
0: I think that's going on my area of expertise, which is around the identity piece. The thing about identity, AML, KYC, is that it's always changing. It's always evolving. And if anything, the technology, of obviously, which which my part of, partner, but also the data that's in there, um, that's having to adapt. It's coming from a much more time stamped once only you found me on a database through to now regulators are very much pushing for a sort of real time understanding of the customer, what's changing, when it's changing and be able to react to that. So I think there's a couple of interesting stuff. I think short term, if you look at the various regulations, um, they're gonna come in with things around financial health. So do people or can people afford to do what they're doing? Now it's a whole debate on whether we should be doing that, but short term driven by the UK, Um, that's going to be a a big part of that process going forward. So not only I am who I am, it's am I able to do that? I think Mm -hmm. longer term, sort of the next sort of three to five years, there's some really interesting, really disruptive things happening in the identity space that will affect the gambling industry. And if I just pick out one within Europe, that's identity wallets. So the power is moving from vendors like MyTech through to back to the individual the ability to say, I'm going to release what data I think is necessary for you to open up a bank account or a gambling account or hire a car. So for me, that's the really interesting bit because Europe has has this identity wallet process for the next five years, which will ultimately mean I control my data and I release the data that comes to the gambling
1: company. So who, who is, excuse me, because the may be misunderstood and also the audience will need to understand, so there are people who act as gatekeepers for someone's data, or is the individual the gatekeeper of his own data? So there's two parts of that, I guess. Is one what will happen
0: in five years or the next five, six years is around identity wallets. You hold that in the phone. So the power of your identity will be held within whatever your smart device is. And whether you're apply- when you're applying for a loan or a house or a gambling company, you mm-hmm. will release parts of that. So you, what that does is protect the data. So it'll release that, it will release will release something that says it's Peter Murray and he's over 18 and he's verified. But that's it. You don't need to have all this type in your address, type in all the other details, run off to various data sources. Now, the other interesting part, that's who's going to hold that data. So if you look at, I don't know, who's going to trust Apple? Who's going to trust Facebook? Is it going to be a bank? Is it going to be somebody like MyTech? So that's where the battleground's going to be, I think, is understanding who's your, your word is, is absolutely right, which is the gatekeeper of that. Because I will control whether I release my uh, details to a gambling company, which parts of it go out to them, what they need to do to open up account or to do EDD. Um, that's the direction of travel. And that's where companies like ours and others in the space are sort of working around to work out how that, that looks in the future. The mm-hmm. here and now stuff is pretty traditional, Trevor. Not much has changed over the last few years, uh, other than it's more of a real-time uh, check on that individual, and then some some um, some checks in the background. Which I think for us, it's trying to make that seamless, trying to remove friction. But actually, if you go down the UK route, and we seem to be talking affordability, then that can become pretty intrusive. Open banking, decent sources is fine. But who's going to release that to a gambling company? You'll do it for a bank, you'll do it for a loan, you'll do it for a house. But who's going to want to open up their bank details to a gambling company? So that friction between what regulation wants, uh, what the customers are prepared to give uh, and what uh, vendors like ourselves can get access to. That's that's a really constantly evolving part of the identity piece.
1: Hmm. Okay, so. Usually, I ask those questions at the end. But given That's the way okay. we started off, we also have to to, to part, make a comment here for our audience. We actually started this yesterday, recording yesterday, but but unfortunately, technology failed us, and we started we, yesterday on a completely different note. But as you can see, program takes the podcast takes a, a nature of its own, depending on what on what we start discussing. Now we've mentioned, um, you have mentioned a number of fairs and expo's, you've mentioned the UK market. Um, regarding data identity, KYC, which is your area of, of let's say, specialisation in the gaming sector, yeah. with, with, the, with the advent of, of Brexit and with the changes which were taking place, has the UK taken on the European data protection um, legislation or is the UK going down its own route on on data protection? If I may ask. Uh, You you can ask,
0: we probably need a politician to give you that answer. I think it's, hey look, your I'm your prime example. If you don't like Brexit, you can leave. I didn't like Brexit and I live in Spain. I was fortunate to get out before the end of Brexit, but I think, Look, if we take out the emotion of what happened with Brexit, what it's left the UK with is trying to replicate effectively what it already had, but their own versions of that. So GDPR, et cetera, you know, the UK was, was one of the instigators of that at the very start of the European side. So from everything that we can see and the rules that are coming out, it is effectively a replica of what's already there. Nobody's going to reinvent the wheel. It's like regulation within gambling. You have that core principle of AML, GDPR. Every jurisdiction adds its own little nuance, its own little twist on that. And I think the UK is in a position where it's it's awkward <clears throat> it's outside of the EU. Uh, it's it's following its own uh, track down that route. So. I think those those areas are all there to be uh, to be confirmed. And let's face it, what are we? Three or four years out from from Brexit, there's still the government is still not bigger. There's an election next year in our world. The the white the um, the gambling uh, regulations are up for review, and as we know, that politics is a big part of that. You know, people deciding on which which laws are going to come in. So I think the biggest problem or the biggest concern the UK has uh, mm-hmm. isn't so much in the gambling sense. Is around what that uh, what that new gambling law is going to look like, how onerous
1: are the but checks going to be? If I may, I, I asked this yeah. question also to Chris Elliott, who I had um, yeah. on the on another podcast. In all likelihood, without wanting to get into the merits merits of politics with a capital P, that is party politics, yeah. but the likelihood is we're going to be seeing a change in the United Kingdom in the government, Um And from what I've been told, the likelihood is that there seems to be a sort of stricter, even though it's already a strict approach, but a stricter approach to gaming. Um, So do you think that the law, legislative proposal would remain the same with the change in government? Or will the legislation go through before the election, which if one looks at political strategy, then, I mean, gaming doesn't win you any votes. If anything, it loses votes for you. So... Would you do that, even though you're already looking toward heading towards a bad result? Yeah.
0: Look, I think if I was a politician, I would push this can down the road. Uh, whatever happens in the next election, and it is looking like we'll have a change of government. Um, gambling is a heavily politicised um, sector. Ultimately, it's not driven just by facts and sense sometimes, but it's driven by the politicians, the media, the public perception. And if you look at the debate... Emotions. Yeah, of course. And I think if you look at the debate over the last, say, four or five years in the UK, it's heavily focused on harm minimization, problem gambling, affordability, all those issues that we've moved on from the identity. And let's face it, the last time the laws in the UK would change for gambling, we didn't really have online like we've got it now. So I accept that the, the regs have to change it, make them fit for purpose for the modern day. But ultimately, it's heavily politicized. So I expect it to be tougher. I expect it to be more onerous. You would hope that the, the decisions are made on fact and the stats that are out there rather than thoughts and pressures from, the, from politics. But we've sort of seen it before. The difference is this time will affect the next 10 to 15 years. So will a change? I guess the question was: Will a change of government affect that? Ultimately, I have no idea. Traditionally, the Conservatives are more business-friendly when it comes to things like this, so you'd expect less regulation. Labour, mm-hmm. I don't know. They've got some pretty vociferous MPs within there. Uh, all I guess all anybody in the industry would ask would base it on the actual real stats that are out there, whether it mm-hmm. be um, harm minimisation, problem gambling, etc. Um, we we can only hope, Trevor.
1: Mm. So, <clears throat> you've been with MyTech for, I think it's around eight months, right? Yeah. Eight, eight months. You But you've been in the sector for a long time. Yeah. Um, how did you actually get involved in the gaming sector? And why the gaming sector? What attracted you to the sector? Or did you fall into it by accident?
0: No, I, I guess like a lot of people, I fell into
1: it by accident. I was
0: busy running a business in, had offices in Eastern Europe and the UK. I knew one of the MDs of the company, uh, of the company I then went to work for. Uh, he asked me to help him out for six months. Uh, I didn't know the tech industry, if, if I'm honest, but what I did know was running a business and working with customers. Um, and I came in to help him out for six months, and then nine and a half years later, I was still there. And it was only at that point I moved on. I've been sort of 14 years in the industry now. But that but I generally found really quickly, I love the gambling sector. it's very tech oriented mm-hmm. it's very dynamic uh, it has its challenges uh, around a number of issues, but the fact is I generally loved what was going on and the identity piece that I specialize in that's constantly changing. the differences between the identity piece 14 years ago and now uh, is immense you know from data stamped once only to dynamic and evolving real-time identity now. So, I think I got in by accident. I'm really glad I did no intention of of going anywhere else um, mm-hmm. because I think both I get now to look at what's happening both now to support clients from a compliance piece but also what's coming down the line where a bit like we mentioned earlier on identity wallets so for me, got in by accident, really glad I did going nowhere anytime soon, hopefully
1: okay and um how have you found this, in general, the gaming sector to operate To operate
0: in? Yeah, I think, I'm not too sure. I've
1: done a number of different sectors uh, over my time at a high
0: level and big numbers. Um, this in one respect is not that much different. It's still about relationships. It's still about providing quality products, whether you're an operator or a supplier like ourselves. Um, what I do find is just fast moving. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's tech orientated. It's really dynamic. There's been an interesting change across that time scale. So the people who set up the the online identity companies originally have sort of moved out and sold up and moved on as we become much more corporate. Uh, the change in there's a power based shift from the operators here in in Europe over to the US as you get the power of the US dollar coming in and trying to buy up both the technology and the and the, and the um, and the companies that go with that. So there's a there's a fascinating shift in ownership yeah. and the the type of people you will deal with. And then I think that will just keep changing because I think the new the, the other thing that really interests me dealing with operators and governments and regulators is the new regulations that are coming. So if we look at this, almost the single focus for 2024 for the sector mm-hmm. is going to be Brazil and Latam. We've got mm-hmm. Peru regulate Peru regulate in February. Brazil has regulated, but comes in in July. And so for me, that evolving, helping regulators sort of script out and deliver on regulations that sort of A, keep them compliant, but protect players is really interesting using that technology and data. So I think that's why I've always loved it, because mm. it keeps changing and it's how technology and data combine. So, yeah, I think for, for this year, for, for the sector, it's it's all about Brazil, Trevor, everybody's going to be in on it. If you can't afford a $25 million license in the US, Brazil. And I'll tell you, that what's been interesting as, as Brazil has Brazil finally headed towards regulation is sort of how they've laid out the identity piece, how they've laid out the AML, KYC piece that operators are going to have to do.
1: In what sense?
0: Well, in to in, so the street at the moment, from everything we can see from re- regulation, there's Three things the operator's got to do. So in mm-hmm. the UK, you would you would just find me on a, a database and you find two levels of that, and that gets you a two plus two. But in Brazil, there's three things. There's document, you've then got to connect to the um, CPF number, which is the tax number in Brazil.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then the intriguing bit is they've mandated um, biometrics. What we're not sure yet, whether it is whether it's biometrics as standard as my tech would do it, which is what we do every day, or whether there's some other form of government database that we've got. So we know there's a government biometric database within Brazil. Is it access to that? So it seems to have gone direct to government database and using technology. So so wait a, a second.
1: I, if if I'm understanding yeah. correctly, for a player to register, he needs to go through this government database, right? Yeah.
0: So so an
1: operator would have to plug in, every operator would have to plug in, or would uh, a data identity solution be the middleman in this?
0: Well, it's highly likely that it's going to come through somebody like us. So, uh, you know, our big push is it's an orchestration layer. You integrate once, you can access 50 different data sources. If you're an operator, what you want from vendors like us is you want less suppliers, but more from them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why there's an appetite for this orchestration layer, which is, you know, I don't want, if I've got 27 jurisdictions, I don't want 27 different in-country suppliers for identity. Mm -hmm. What I want is a platform that can plug them all in. So that would be our bigger push. There's other people who do similar sort of things. But the idea is they'll come to somebody like us and they'll open up Peru. They'll have all the data sources. Those data sources I talked about from Brazil, we have. So it's accessed through one API. It's very sort of regulation is the most costly and complex part of an operator's process, so it's a big push to try and streamline that. So whether it's the UK and it goes down affordability, uh, you know, Germany has to combine all their uh, overall spend for a month. Brazil's going to be around um, making sure the biometrics are part of it, which from a tech perspective is really interesting.
1: Okay, are there any con- are there many other countries which go down the biometrics route?
0: I think any country regulating now or from here on in knows that that technology is there, right? And let's face it: if we can open up our bank accounts on our phones, if we can hire a car just by using our tablet, then they know that this this technology is there, and it does these things. It's a bit like removing passwords, you know, and and protecting your identity. It's very difficult to change your face, not so difficult to change your address. Opening up, you know, one of the the big things coming up, I think, the next couple of years is going to be um, removing your passwords just by showing your face. So that biometric authentication. So if you're a regulator, you're going to know this technology is out there. The challenge is, do you understand it and and are you a bit nervous about it? Because that (laughs) there is a perception out there that Big Brother watching you, all of that sort of stuff. But this is very sort of defined and deliverable. It's, it's a face that opens up the access to your accounts and your data. Yeah, This yeah. isn't something of the government sort of taking access to you. This isn't all of the sort of stuff you might get in China. This is about how you use data and technology to make your life easier. And the impact it has on the gambling sector is all around identity uh, and access to your accounts. Uh, it's a bit like multiple accounts and tying everything up within the, the CSM, da- CSM database. So I think that's one of those 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 big areas that regulators are are going to try to stay on top of, um, which is obviously obviously difficult. You you know, we've all met regulators, we've all dealt with them, dealt with governments, yeah. the government officials. Do they really understand the technology? Yeah, and I think you know uh, you know what
1: worries, of, me, well, no, what worries me. We know what worries me, Peter. Is for example, you have, I mean, you have some countries which went down the route of, for example, having a vault solution, but then you have other countries which went the, down. To, the root of, you need to plug in through an actual government-owned interface. Yeah. And that usually means you have a single point of failure for all your gaming market.
0: Absolutely. Not
1: for efficiency, but actually it increases inefficiency. So this is what where I'd like to go with the question about Brazil. Are we looking at a single point of failure or are we looking at a tool which will assist in registration and strengthen the KYC pro- process?
0: I think, and I think it does completely depend on the government at the time. So for me, I'm a big one of the competitive marketplace. If you've got a government source database, then if you can provide or find trusted suppliers, data protected, all of that, it feels like it's better to offer it competitive to a number of different people like us, but whoever else does what we do. I think your point there is, how often have we seen governments try to do tech projects and it all goes wrong? Yeah, Mm. quite often. I think if I remember back in Italy in the day and the Cattici Fiscali and the link to them, if you try Mm -hmm. to build your own, you know, these people have lunch hours, the technology goes down. Uh, You know, we're driven by the fact that if if our systems ever go down, you know, A, the client's going to get massively upset and probably walk and B, we don't make any money. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that same Mm -hmm. driver... Uh, or a competitive nature if it's just the government source. So for me, I, and I would say that because I'm in the sector, but it feels like if there's a government source there and the data can be protected, offer it to vendors, we will provide that link and tie it up with other biometrics, uh, other parts of that, because it's it's never a single point of contact, yeah. It's never a single, just, it's the it, it, Brazil. It's not just the CPF database. You have to tie that into a document. You have to tie that into biometrics. Governments will consistently fail to deliver on tech projects. The challenge is then, how do you do it? You just give it to people like us, you make it available direct to the operators. Um, so the way it seems to work more efficiently, you use the word efficiently, it would seem more efficiently at the moment, is through technology, reg tech companies like ourselves and, and multiple ones of them, because the customer has to have the choice of who they, who they want to do that with. And then it's competitive for us to try and make the best solution possible. It's it's like any it's like being an operator. There's loads of people doing what you do. How do you differentiate yourself? Um, so back to the original question. I think for me, it, it's if that data is there, um, it should be available to all, and we will then decide. Um, uh, or the operators will decide who they choose to partner with.
1: Are the timeframes on on the on the progress in Brazil?
0: Yeah, so uh, as we stand right here right now, it was signed off by the president on the 30th of December. Mm -hmm. Our understanding is licenses will be there to be applied for in February. Uh, So that's next month as we're recording. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's been one hundred and thirty-four expressions of interest for licences. Although there's something like four thousand betting companies in Brazil, but one hundred and thirty-four said they want to do it. A lot of the usual suspects, uh, plus the the regular ones within the country, and then what we're thinking of is mid July for Go Live. Did so they will set okay. a firm Did it looks like the operators will have six months. To be able to get their systems in place. So you imagine if you're an operator, you've got X amount of, of um, customers, you want to re-verify them to the the, the 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 limit that's been set by the regulator because whatever you've done now isn't enough. Yeah. Most operators have, have taken them on, done a minimum of uh, KYC. That will not fit with it. So the challenge an operator has, they've got thousands of customers in sort of on their site now. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have to upgrade all of them. So the 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 race for us as a, as a vendor is to A, make sure we've got a compliant solution, <laughs> B, we have to help them get, because if go live date is July the 1st, for example, everybody who comes on after that will have to be re-verified. So the best, what you want to do is re-verify them to a compliant level first. So the race is on between now and some point in July for both operators and vendors like us. To create that environment where the customer is already verified, because I think I think there's 29 million active accounts in Brazil. This will be the biggest market opening we see, certainly my time in the industry. And you know the talk out there is of trying to verify over nearly 100 million people who will then know it's regulated, feel safer, come into it. It's a vast project. I was around in 2014, Trevor, when um, Denmark regulated. They set a date of January the first. It was everybody that came on had to be verified, had to be re-verified that day. And that was a challenge. And that's 5 million people. We're talking Little about so, 200 million people and the focus of the world gambling sector on it. It's gonna be really, you know, both exciting and, a, and a nerve wracking.
1: Peter, the time has flown by. Um, it it has, really was it a pleasure to host you um also I'd like to remind the audience please before before we actually close off about Sigma Eurasia which is taking place in Dubai between the 25th and the 27th of February um the event which will be another leading event for for the for the different sectors which Sigma actually is promoting um so I urge you to Visit the sigma.world website to find more information about this event and other events which are taking place. Um, And Peter, I thank you so much for, for being with us today and having such an interesting discussion. Much appreciated.